Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. All of us were facing uncertainty, right, about our jobs, about our financial future, about the economy, all of that. But you kept giving. You kept giving. So let me say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for giving. A friend of mine, a, a pastor friend, a, 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 really a mentor to me, tells his church, when you give, people live. When you give, people live. And that's always true spiritually, but I think in 2020 that became uh, more, uh, more true because there were lots of people in our community who may not have been able to survive the last 12 months had, <clears throat> had it not been for the way you gave and, and the ways that we were able to serve the community and help them. So honestly, uh, when you give, people really do live, and I appreciate your faithfulness to do that. Now, I also need to point out one other area of faithfulness. Uh, do you all remember the Jericho prayer that we started last year with? Um, it's, still, it's on the Jericho Project website. You can get there from our, uh, from our Covenant Life website, or you can go to the Jericho Project West GA and click on the Jericho prayer. Um, it's the, we took the word Jericho and bro- broke it down as an acronym and, and, um, or an acrostic. And, and the I in the Jericho prayer was that we would see an increase in tithing and giving to the church so that the church could stay strong while we pursue uh, the, the Jericho project. And, and you were faithful to pray. And you were faithful to believe. And you were faithful to give. And God was faithful to bring it to pass. So I want to say not only thank you for giving, but thank you for praying. Because nothing happens in the physical world until it happens first in the spiritual. And so I appreciate you bombarding the heavens with your prayers. And God, as always, was faithful. So thank you for that. Now, that's the giving side. As I always do, I want to break down the spending side because the question in people's mind always is, where's all that money go, Pastor? So I'm going to answer that question today, all right? Uh, so the, the first expenditure and the largest expenditure in our budget is payroll, as it is really with any business um, and, and any organization. So 41% uh, accounts for payroll. And uh, now, according to the research, a healthy church uh, should not exceed about 45% of their budget, for, at least for any length of time, uh, should not exceed 45% of their budget in payroll. And so we're well below that threshold. Uh, we, that includes our three full-time staff members. We have five part-time staff members. And then that also includes any contract labor that we may have need for throughout the year. So we, uh, we have a CPA who audits our books every quarter and is on call for us when we panic about things. Uh, and just those kinds of things when we contract with somebody. So this number includes all of that, not just our weekly payroll. Uh, another 10% of our budget goes towards our mortgage. We only have one uh, debt in, in our church, and that's the mortgage on the property. The payment is about $4,500 a month, uh, so we paid last year a total of about $56,000 
to, for our mortgage servicing. Um, for the last several months of the year, we began making additional payments toward the principal. And so now our total indebtedness is, is just under $575,000. And so that's good news. When the last appraisal that we had on the property, the assessment was over $1.2 million. So we're well below 50% loan to value. And that's a good place to be uh, financially in, in the organization. Another 10% went to ministries. You say, well, John, that doesn't sound like much, and it sounds like it might have been lower than last year. Well, I need, to, I need to put the perspective around it that much of the ministries that we normally carry out throughout a year got shut down or got uh, significantly changed because of COVID. So some of the things that we normally would have done, some of the things that we planned didn't get to happen <clears throat> because of COVID. But an awful lot, uh, not an awful lot, a great lot of things happened in, in, the, in the ministry category, and I want to tell you about those um, we have some high caliber, uh, high quality ministries here at Covenant Life because of the high caliber staff and volunteers who make those ministries up. Uh, but we definitely also have to resource those teams in order for them to carry out uh, and execute the plans that the Lord's given them in their particular areas of ministry. And that, of course, takes money. And so we, we make sure that they get what they need to do what it is that God's called them to do. Now, this category of ministries includes every ministry arm of the church. So it's the go teams, it's the grow groups, it's all the ministries inside the church and our ministries outside the church to the community and to the world. Now, one of the frequent questions, although it's always available on our website, it's always there, but one of the frequent questions that we get is, uh, is about missions. You know, what missions do you support? And, and so I, wanna, uh, I want to show you what missions organizations we support as a church each month. Now, I told you at the beginning of, of last year, we were going to make some changes in our missions giving in 2020 because we wanted our, we just feel like that when you have a purpose, when you have a vision, that everything in your organization should line up with that vision. And that definitely should include the way you spend money. And so the vision of our church, part of the vision of our church is for the Jericho Project. And we felt like our missions giving should reflect that. And so we changed some things. We shifted some funds, stopped giving in some areas and started giving in other areas to reflect our commitment to fighting uh, sex trafficking, which is what we believe God has called us to do. So our missions giving accounts for about $19,000 annually. That's about $4,000 more than it was the previous year. Um, and, and part of the, 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 uh, the reason for the increase is that when COVID started, um, a lot of the local food ministries that we volunteer in and that we support in, uh, that we support, uh, were no longer able to allow us to come and volunteer in person. But we also knew that those particular, what I call community lifeline ministries, were going to get slammed. And they were going to need, the, the community was going to need them more than ever. Their demand was going to be multiplied and, and their resources were going to be more limited. So we increased our monthly donation to two of our local ministries. One is to the Bremen Food and Clothing Bank here in Bremen, and the other is to the CCC in Tallapoosa. So we made sure that though we couldn't come in person, that we at least sent resources ahead so that they could have the things that they needed. Now, these are the missions that we support every month uh, at Covenant Life. Uh, locally, or I guess maybe we should say domestically, we support the CCC in Tallapoosa, the Community Christian Council. We support the Bremen Food and Clothing Bank, we support the Pregnancy Resource Center in Carrollton that serves uh, Carroll, Harrelson, and Heard Counties. 
Uh, we support the House of Cherith. That's the main campus in Atlanta. Um, we support the Bremen Educational Foundation because we provide a $1,000 scholarship. It's the Covenant Life Community Scholarship to a uh, graduate of Bremen High School every year. So we pay, uh, we pay monthly to the uh, Education Foundation. Um, and if somebody can connect us with the right people in the Harrelson County School System, we'd be happy to do that, thrilled to do that for Harrelson County graduates as well. Um, and then we give monthly to the Legacy Campground Building Fund. The Legacy is the, uh, the North Georgia Church of God campground that we send our kids to every year. Uh, it's about 20 years old now. It's a beautiful uh, several hundred, like 400, 500 acre property. It's beautiful, but there are some things that they want to build that hopefully will keep our kids coming back, keep our kids engaged, so that as each generation grows and has their next generation, they continue to come back. That's really kind of why they called it the legacy. So we contribute monthly to that fund so they can build special things on the campground. Okay, so that's the local or domestic stuff that we support. Internationally, we support Jeff Vaughn. For, with, with Salt and Light Ministries. Jeff is a local, he's a local guy. Um, his mom, Marianne Smith, attends church here. Marianne and Ronnie are, are a vital part of, of Covenant Life and, and, uh, and Jeff's part of them. So we make sure that we support him each month as his, in his ministry to the Philippines. Uh, we support the Voice of the Martyrs every month. They, uh, the, the particular area of this organization that we support, it's called Bibles Unbound. Uh, there are many nations in the world where the Bible is either um, restricted or they are closed nations. So the Bible is not allowed. And we give money to Bibles Unbound through Voice of the Martyr um, to smuggle Bibles into nations that are closed to the Word of God. So uh, that's, that's part of what we do every month. Uh, Mountaintop Ministries in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, that's David Logue. Uh, David comes through here when he comes back to the States. He comes through and, and, and gets to give us an update on, on the boys. But he has adopted nine boys off the streets of Tegucigalpa and takes care of them and provides uh, a roof over their head and education and opportunities for them. Um, so we support David. And then uh, Mi Esperanza it means my hope in Spanish. It's also in Tegucigalpa. It is a ministry to the women of Honduras. 75% uh, or more of the children in Honduras are being raised by single parents, mostly single women. Um, and so it's vital that these women have a way to make uh, a living, a sustainable living for their family. And so this ministry trains them in, I think, at last count, four different tracks of, of employable job skills, teaches them how to do it, and then gives them the opportunity to have a micro loan at the end of their education so that they can start their own business. And it literally changes not just families, but generations of families in Honduras. And so it's a, it is a wonderful ministry. Many of us have been able to be there and to help and serve at that ministry. So these are good people doing good work. These are, these are not just names, um, and not just pictures. These are people that we know and love and have relationships with that are doing incredible things around the globe. So you can feel confident that a portion of every dollar that you give goes to spread the gospel uh, and be the hands and feet of Jesus around the corner and literally around the globe. Now, it's not unusual for us also, outside of the organizations that we support, uh, to also provide assistance to families and individuals in need. Um, and there are, there are sometimes that we can't um, and sometimes that we shouldn't. 
um, but there are many times that we do and we, when we can. And I want to tell you just about a few of those so that you just get a taste of, of uh, the things that you're doing in our community. We had a, just a few weeks ago a family of seven. So it was a, a man and woman and their five children um, who contacted me through our Facebook page. Um, and I was able to do some Facebook stalking and verify who they were. And, and I knew the family, um, but they were sleeping in a tent and it was in the 20s at night, um, and so I just I couldn't even wrap my brain around what that must be like. So because, because you give, we were able to put them up in a hotel to keep them safe, keep them warm, keep them fed until they were able to get on their feet and figure out a more permanent solution for their family. We've been able to help a woman escape a domestic violence situation. We put her up safely in a hotel, provided her meals so she never had to never had to step foot outside of the room, and then we provided safe transportation to, uh, to a safe house in a local community to make sure that she was taken care of. Uh, the local school systems know that if they need anything for a student or for a staff member for that matter, they can pick up the phone and we will come running and we'll assist in any way possible. Uh, we fed during COVID, we fed multiple doctor's offices, nursing units, uh, including the entire staff at Higgins uh, General Hospital here in Bremen. Um, and we did that. We, we didn't call a meeting. We didn't have a vote. We did it because that's what Jesus tells us to do, right? We did it because we know that's your heart, to serve this community and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And, and we can't do it without you. And so we just, I wanted you to know what you're doing. Because of your generosity, because of your kingdom-mindedness, then people are being fed and clothed and loved and encouraged uh, in the name of Jesus through Covenant Life. So thank you. That's part of uh, what that ministry category takes care of. Now, there's, uh, this, is, this is not exciting, but there are operating expenses to operate the office, bank fees, um, office supplies, those kinds of things that you need to be able to just run the operation. Um, there is something that's unique. It's called the tithe of tithes. So if you don't know what that means, about 7.6% of our annual giving, um, because we're part of the Church of God denomination, which is headquartered in Cleveland, Tennessee, we give a tithe of tithes. So what that means is 10% of everything that's marked tithe that comes into Covenant Life is, is then in turn given um, 5% to the state offices and 5% to the international offices. Those offices provide oversight for the tens of thousands of churches and the 12 plus million members of the Church of God around the world and they provide support for, uh, for local and world missions and church planting uh, all over the country and all over the world. So the tithe of tithes, that's what that means. Okay, And that was 7.6% of the budget. Um, utilities, also not exciting, except that we'd be a lot more excited if we didn't have heat and lights and water and that kind of thing. Uh, not in a good way, but we'd be excited. Uh, so that's, that's it. You've got, you've got power bills and water bills and gas bills at your house. We do too. Ours cost right at $40,000 this past year. Um, and you're like, oh Lord, that sounds like a, a, a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but it's about $10,000 less than it was last year. Uh, because of COVID. So, uh, so if there was a good thing in COVID, it, it saved us $10,000 in utility bills. How about that? Um, we have tens of thousands of square feet 
and seven of, of heated space and seven and a half acres of property. And so that has to be maintained. Again, just like your household, it has to be maintained and that costs money. So we have property insurance. That's about six and a half percent. This, this total category of building and maintenance is about six and a half percent. So property insurance, grass cutting and landscaping, building repairs, HVAC repairs and replacement, that kind of thing. Everything that it takes to run buildings and property. Now, this category would be a lot higher if it weren't for two, uh, for two reasons. Uh, one is for a man named Kirk Hopkins, and I'm not going to look at him because he's probably glaring at me now. Um, Kirk, Kirk has, uh, I've just never met anybody like him, uh, and, and I wish we could clone him. Uh, he's just incredible. He saved us tens of thousands of dollars in the last years that he's been doing this, but he runs point on the maintenance and the repairs. And if something's broken, he's the first one on the scene. And if he can't do it, he finds somebody who can. Many of you serve with him when he gives you a call. But, uh, but uh, we, we have to say thank you to Kirk for everything that he does for our church. The other reason that it's, this category is not higher is because there's a group of people who have volunteered to clean the church. We would otherwise have to pay somebody to do that. And this is a big place. Um, and so uh, we have people who have volunteered to clean the church every week. And the majority of that, of that team is made up of the staff and the council and the, the executive team who, uh, who lead this church. So we believe in servant leadership, and, uh, and we don't think anybody's too good to do anything. So we, it, it, now by the way, if you'd like to join that team of volunteers who clean the church, we, we're taking applications. There is no vetting process if you want to clean, you come on. Come on and clean. All right. Then, then the last category is our savings and checking account. It, it accounts for about 11.5%, uh, which, praise God, is higher than it has been in previous years. The balance of the budget is contained in those accounts, uh, which on December 31st accounted for, about, for over 11%. Now, that's a quick overview of the nuts and bolts. Um, that was way more than some of you ever wanted to know. It's not nearly enough for some of you. Uh, but I wanted to give you um, the overview because we believe in accountability. We believe in transparency. So we take the time to do this every year. If you have questions, if you need clarification, you can feel free to see me. Uh, you can see Missy Chapman. Oh, she's the church treasurer. You can see any member of the council. Uh, and we'll answer whatever questions you have as quickly as we possibly can. Okay? Now, you say, John, that's, that's the financial stuff. But what, you always give us attendance figures. What about attendance? Um, our in-person attendance is about half of what it was pre-COVID. Um, and quite honestly, I've got no idea how many people watch online. That's just, can we, can we say we can be real, right? I have no idea how many people are behind that camera right back there. There's just no, really no way to tell. There are metrics that you can drill down on and find out viewers and all that kind of thing, but you just never know how long they watched. You never know, um, you never know how many were behind their screen when they watched. Some people watch in couples. Some people watch as a family. You just never know. But I've been telling you this for years. Attendance and finances are not really the best way to judge the health of a church anyway. It's about engagement. So uh, certainly giving and attending is a way to measure engagement, but it's not the only way. Uh, we're just, I, I can only say this, I am grateful that for those who cannot or not, don't feel safe to come in person, they, can, they have means to stay engaged with our church. So however many there are of you on the other side of that camera, thank you for being here. Uh, and thank you for making this your church home. 
Okay? So um, if 2020 taught, uh, was anything for leaders and organizations, it was a crash course in crisis management. Um, we all learned way more than we wanted to about how to do things very, very differently. And we didn't have a line of crises waiting to be uh, handled. We had stacks of crises, right? Like one on top of another, on top of another. But we've also discovered that a crisis can be a good thing. Uh, I, I have discovered in this, in, this, in this series of crises that it, it's done five things for us, and I think it's probably true of a lot of other organizations as well, but it's done five things for us, and I want to address uh, those things that crisis has done for us in the time that we have remaining together. So, first of all, crisis reveals character. Crisis reveals character. You know this in your home, right? You know this in your own life. Leading a church is difficult anytime. Leading a church during a pandemic, during a series of crises, uh, crises that we had this year, the difficulty seems to have increased exponentially. And it isn't just the outside pressures that do that. It's also the character flaws that those outside and inside pressures reveal. The number of churches who have closed their doors in the last 12 months is staggering. The number of pastors who have quit the ministry is alarming. I talked to a friend of mine who is an overseer, um, and, and he said they're, they're in their organization, they actually had to go find some of their pastors. They just quit showing up for church. They just walked away. And they just said, I don't even know what this is. I don't know how to do this. This is not how I grew up. This is not how I was trained. I don't know what this is. And they, it was just too much for them. And so this, it has been a difficult time, to say the least. But I have to say this to you today. I am so proud of the way that you guys have handled yourselves and continue to handle yourself in, in, the, in this unprecedentedly difficult period of time. Um, when the children of Israel were being led out of slavery by Moses in the Old Testament, they, they encountered crisis. They encountered, they were, they were pinched. It was, it was difficult. And they fell into negativity. They fell into what the Bible calls murmuring, into complaining. We had online church, online only church, 16 out of 52 weeks last year. Nobody complained. We, we had an outdoor, Easter is supposed to be our big, that's our Super Bowl, right? It, it's supposed to be the biggest week of the year for, for a church. And we had an outdoor drive-in, in the rain, combined Easter service, standing in a parking lot of the local high school with First Baptist Church, and nobody complained. I've had to make difficult and complicated decisions in the last year. Nobody's complained. We're navigating a pandemic, racial injustice, social unrest, political turmoil, economic uncertainty. We launched a major ministry initiative that's caused us to rethink and repurpose and relocate most of the ministries of this church. And you have responded with such grace and with such understanding and such maturity and, 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 and such kingdom-mindedness that it honestly, it just boggles my mind. Uh, Crisis has revealed your character. And I'm so grateful that you have maintained this kingdom-minded focus because I do have pastor friends 
that we do get a chance to talk every once in a while. And I promise you, it is not that way in, in most churches. You are truly exceptional. And I want to say thank you today for the way you conduct yourselves. Would you please look at the person beside you and say, you are so exceptional. Truly, truly exceptional. Now, if you're sitting by yourself, then you have a free pass to talk to yourself. No one, no worries. Uh, crisis it also sharpens vision. It sharpens vision. Uh, as I've mentioned, the, the vision for the Jericho Project really came into focus in November of 2019. It was a message that I think most of us call the get out of the boat message, uh, but it was called One Decision, One decision from Different. Um, and if you're new here or, or newish here, the Jericho Project is a very ambitious plan that we've developed to be able to use our property, including these large industrial buildings, uh, to, to my uh, left. Left, Corey? Left. To my left here. We own that property as well. And, and we want to use all of our resources to, uh, to help house and rehabilitate women who, uh, who have been caught in, and, and fortunately rescued from a lifestyle of sex trafficking. It's a major long-term project that um, is going to cost well over a million dollars. You've seen today our annual budget. We do not have a million dollars sitting around anywhere. So it was a step of faith. It was the call of God. Uh, it's, it's what we felt like God was calling us to do. And in the midst of this, um, in the midst of this pandemic, we, we really sense that God was saying, now is the time. Move forward with what's in your hand. Do what you can with what you have. And so we started figuring out a way to do that, and, and we started in the Coley building. So we did what was necessary and are continuing to do that to prepare our education building to house seven women in a long-term residential treatment facility in a first-of-its-kind partnership with the House of Cherith in Atlanta. Um, it'll be a little later than our original deadline. We had hoped to open on February 14th, uh, the day of love. Uh, that's just not going to work. Um, we're still trying to get everybody lined up, all the subcontractors lined up, uh, but it's, we're making progress. Things are moving well. Um, so sometime this spring, we'll do the ribbon cutting. Uh, until then, we're just going to keep working and keep doing what we've been doing. But I presented this to you guys, and you've done nothing but cheer and work and give, and read, and study, and pray, and, and you knew, as I knew, that this must happen. It has to happen, even in the midst of a crisis. So the vision just got sharpened as lesser things started to fall away. And so for, for countless women in the coming generations, seven at a time, who make Covenant Life's Coley Building their home, um, they are grateful for your vision. They are grateful for your patience, for your kingdom-mindedness. So thank you for, for what you can see is coming. Crisis also clarifies priorities. Crisis clarifies priorities. The pandemic seemed like, I don't know, I'm sure you felt this way too, but the, the, the pandemic seemed like a list of things we could not do anymore. Um, so that forced us to focus only on the things that we could do and not just on what we could do, but on the things we had to do, our priorities. We knew, and we, we, we knew pretty quickly, no matter what, we had a biblical mandate to do a couple of things. We had to continue to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we had to care for the people. 
So spreading the gospel was certainly um, uh, going to be different than we had ever done it before. We did our first online-only service on March 15th. Um, we had one camera, and it was outdated when we bought it, um, used, whenever that was. We had one camera. It was sitting way back there, um, and it just... it. <laughs> It was, it was a sad little camera, quite honestly. Um, we didn't live stream because our internet service at the time just didn't support it. Once we all get here with our smartphones and connect to the Wi-Fi, there just wasn't enough left to live stream. So it was, quite honestly, a poor excuse for an online presence, and that failure rests entirely on me. But there was a team of individuals who sprung into action to, to hit the ground running and get us up to speed as quickly as we possibly could. Um, they, they prioritized the spreading of the gospel in the only way that we could do it in that moment, which was online. So uh, Pastor Robbie and Corey and Jordan and Heather Poole, uh, we're here for hours every week, week after week, just making it better, just finding another piece of equipment because every church in America was having to do this in the same time. So you couldn't just go to Amazon and order it. They were all, they were all out of stock. So we prayed and we sought and we made every connection we could find and, and they pulled, I don't know how they did it, but they pulled together equipment that nobody else could get their hands on. Did y'all steal stuff? It just occurred to me. Don't, don't answer that out with witnesses, please. Um, but they pulled resources together, and they just made it better week after week after week. And listen, we, might, we probably ain't quite ready for TBN yet, but what we're putting out every week, it, it, we're proud of. And it's light years ahead of where we were a year ago. And, and I just can't say thank you enough to, to these folks and the other members of the team who work so hard every week to get the services out to the people. Now, we not only live stream, but we also archive the messages on YouTube so that people can go back and listen to them whenever they want to. And those messages have been viewed thousands of times in 2020. Uh, we have also contracted with, several years ago, we contracted with Pastor Mark Stroud at Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center here in Bremen um, to work his media magic, and he converts our messages to audio podcast on all of the major platforms where you get podcasts and content. Um, and he also has us on two of his internet radio stations. So Covenant Life's messages were played, uh, the audio version was, were played 4,300 times last year. And were heard all over the country, all over the state, all over the country. And get this, he sent me a map. This, this is crazy. The, the, somebody is listening to us in Japan and in China, in Jordan, in Sweden, in Germany, in the UK, in Spain, and in Austria. Is that not crazy? Right here from Bremen, Georgia, y'all. All over the world. So I, I just, I want you to know that the people who, they're not just running cameras. They're not just turning on the lights. It's not just running lyrics. It's not just showing scriptures. It's not just doing the videos and uploading and, and all the things that have to do, the, the sound, the lights. They're reaching across the street because we literally have somebody across the street that watches and joins us every week and around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it's important. It's purpose. It's not function. Okay? 
Now, I have to say how proud I am of all the ministries of the church who literally reinvented themselves this year to figure out how to keep doing what they're doing. Kids ministry, student ministry, small groups, every ministry of the church figured out how to continue to do ministry um, even when we couldn't be face-to-face. And, and I'm, I'm really proud of the extraordinary lengths that they've gone to and continue to go to to keep everybody safe as we are able to begin to get back together again. Um, we added 32 new members last year, most of whom joined in, in, officially joined in an online service. Uh, we dedicated babies. We baptized in water. We saw souls saved and rededicated, many of whom never darkened the door of the church, but joined us online. And it's all because we prioritized the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if the church doesn't do it, nobody else will. Now, we also prioritize caring for the people. People were hurting, people were scared, but we couldn't see each other anymore. And we discovered that a whole lot of the communication that we depend on as human beings is this nonverbal eyeball-to-eyeball kind of communication that can, that can take place in the time that it takes to hug a neck or to shake a hand. And once that was taken away from us, we found out real quickly how hard it is to stay in touch with people, how hard it is to stay connected. We, we, had, uh, we had people led by uh, Heather Pearson and, and Mary Ann Smith who got together to send cards to people just to let them know we're thinking about you, we miss you. The staff and I and many of you as individuals uh, took it upon yourself to send countless text messages and emails and, and send, make phone calls just to try to stay in touch with people, just to try to stay connected with people and keep them close. Why? Because taking care of the people has to be a priority for us. In this past year, if it hasn't taught us anything, it's that the church is not the building. The church is not the property. The church is the people. It's the people. And as long as we can spread the gospel and take care of the people, then we can thrive, we can grow, we can get stronger no matter what situation the world puts us in. All right? And then crisis also, and this is related, but crisis also exposes flaws. It exposes flaws. Please don't say amen to this, but this is not a perfect church, and I am not a perfect pastor. Thank you for your kindness. The, the, the pandemic um, has exposed and magnified some of the flaws that we probably had all along, but, but have amplified it to the point that they clearly have to be addressed. Now, our first flaw organizationally was, was obviously our technology that was not up to the task of online church, and we were able to rectify that fairly quickly. The other glaring flaws that we have that have been exposed right now are communication and care. Despite our best efforts, and, and please believe me that we, we really did try, um, we have failed to communicate in many cases, often enough, clearly enough, with, with enough detail. We have, in, in too many cases, failed to provide the level of care for you that we would have liked and that you really deserve. We, and, and I am uh, brokenhearted to say that we've lost touch with some people. Not a ton of people, as far as I know, but we've lost touch with some people. And, and that has broken the heart of this pastor. But I want you to hear me say this clearly today. We will do better. We will do better. 
We have already begun working on solutions that will improve communication and extend the reach of our pastoral care, and we're just not going to stop making it better. Uh, because as the church continues to grow and as crises continue to arise, it's just going to get more challenging. But we have to. We have to figure out how to do this, and we will figure out how to do this because God's going to help us. And I know that God's going to help us because people are God's priority. These, more than you're my sheep, you're his sheep. And, and so he's going to help us know how to take care of people. So we just have to find a way for us to be able to communicate with you, for us to provide care for you, and for you to communicate back to us and with each other what it is that you need and how we can help you. This is a, this is a body. We are a body. This is a family. We have to stay together. We have to stay strong. We have to stay healthy. And we will because we must. And then here's the last thing that crisis teaches. Crisis uh, positions for opportunity. Crisis, crisis positions for opportunity. I was, uh, I was working early yesterday morning and I woke up before the sun came up. And, and, and as I was working, I looked up and looked out the window and I could see the sun was beginning to rise. And it was just gorgeous. I'm just kind of a sucker for a sunrise. Um, and I was reminded in that moment at how much I love new beginnings. I love new beginnings. No matter how bad yesterday was, the sun is going to rise again today, right? And you have a new lease. His mercies are new today. You have a new opportunity to do something different, to move forward. And, and, and no matter how bad 2020 was, and it was certainly a challenge, and quite honestly, 2021 ain't started off like no coconut cream pie either. <laughs> but I believe that God has, I don't really like cherries, so coconut cream is the best I come up with, right? So I, I, I believe God has positioned us. What we've been through in the last year and a half, what we're going through now is positioning us for the opportunities that God has for us later in 2021 and beyond. So with God's help this year, we're going to open House of Cherith West and begin ministering to these ladies in a much more personal and tangible way. We're going to get in this fight. We will, we will move forward with our plans to, uh, to do the abatement next door and to do the demo next door and prepare this property for the future. We're going to develop and execute a plan to communicate and to provide pastoral care to meet the needs of our growing church uh, during this time of separation and beyond. And we're going to continue to find ways to serve our community, to spread the gospel, and to share the love of Jesus with as many people as we possibly can. We're going to continue to be real, continue to be relational, continue to, be, to reach outside the four walls into the communities that we serve. The mission has not changed. The mission of this and every Bible-believing church in the world is the same. It's to go into all the world and make disciples of every creature. The vision is clear. The opportunity is tremendous. The harvest is white and abundant. The laborers are few, but we're praying as Jesus told us to. 
The laborers are few, but God is sending and he's calling and he's drawing. So John, what's the state of the church? Well, I feel like Paul did in 1 Corinthians. We've been pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We've been perplexed by complicated issues, but we are not driven to despair. We have been pursued and hunted down by the enemy of our souls, but never abandoned by God. We got knocked down a time or two, but we are not destroyed because there is too much well-doing to be done for us to be weary. There's too much darkness in this world for us to lose our light. There's too much sin for us to stop preaching Jesus. There's too much suffering for us to stop giving hope. There's too much sadness, too much despair for us to lose our joy. There are too many hurting for us to give up or to shut up or to clam up or to dry up or to back up. We are God's people. We have God's power. We have God's priority. So what is the state of the church? Well, the past has been difficult and the present is daunting, but the state of the church is strong. And if we'll stay humble and if we'll stay focused, the future is exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ask or even imagine, not for ourselves, not for our kingdom, not for our name, but for the sake of his great name, we will do what he calls us to do. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.